Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Muma, and you've checked into Technically Speaking here on LJN Radio, where we enlist experts to determine the impact of certain technologies on business and employment. Today, we're looking into the reality of cyber attacks and the potential need for more cybersecurity for businesses. As I'm sure you've heard about the handful of breaches, including those at places like Target and Home Depot where sensitive information was stolen. Well, the reality is it's also becoming very large for small businesses as well. So today, we're going to speak with Andrew Bagrin about the importance of protecting your company. Andrew has more than 17 years of experience in the IT security industry. He's also the founder and CEO of My Digital Shield, a leading provider of security as a service for small businesses. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, I wanted to give the listeners, maybe they don't have a full understanding of what we're talking about. What is really meant by a cyber attack? And for what reasons would people or groups of people do this to a company? There's not really an easy answer. There's many types of cyber attacks, and there's also many reasons why somebody would want to do this. Sure. Attacks could be anything from doing scans on the internet and just finding places where there's a vulnerability and sticking something on your machine and just it'll just sit there and wait. It could be something that just goes out there and do something destructive and just disrupt the, the internet community. You know, the reasons why people do this stuff, I remember earlier on, it was just a matter of, can I do it? Can I get it done? There's these script kitties that go out there and, and try to create something to be this disruptive to, uh, to the business world. Right. I think a lot of that has changed a little bit because today's malware, today's attacks, it's very different. You know, they, it seems like uh, it go, it'll go out there on, and it'll put itself on, on computers, it'll start spreading, it'll communicate up to some central location, and it'll listen for commands. And then whenever it receives a command, and then it takes the next step and the next step. So it's more of a very planned approach. And a lot of times the steps are collect personal information, collect credit card numbers, and send them off somewhere for, uh, for resale or something. Sure. And I think obviously that's the, the biggest concern just of the general public is that that information gets out there. And we'll talk about the impact that could have on those businesses as well. Now, from your experience, some of your conversations that you have with individuals, how does it appear most executives and owners of companies feel about cybercrime, cybersecurity? Do many still underestimate the impact and not maybe have the realization of what's going on? Yeah, you know, I think it's always been a problem and it always will be. I think in, in light of all of the recent breaches in the last couple of years, more of the you know, Fortune 500 and, and the larger companies, they're taking it more seriously. They're allocating more budget to security. They want to make sure that they don't have an impact. Right. They don't want to sit there and pay a billion-dollar fine for non-PCI compliance or for, you know, for credit cards being stolen from their location. So they'd rather spend the extra money up front to make sure that doesn't happen to them. Unfortunately, as you go down market, you know, for every Home Depot you hear, there's you know, hundreds of small businesses that you don't hear about. Sure. Because they're just not big enough to make the news. But the impact of those breaches are a lot more. You know, Home Depot is going to survive paying $5 billion fine, but a small business will not survive paying a $1 million fine. And, and unfortunately, the small businesses, because they don't hear about those other small businesses and they only hear about the Home Depots and the targets of the world, they feel, hey, I'm not that big. I'm not a target. Nobody's ever going to do this to me. Mm-hmm. And the attitude is kind of like, you know, if I don't go see the doctor, then I'll never know that I have any problems <laughs> and I'm good. <laughs> right. Yep. I think that's a fair point, especially with the media, you know, obviously can be good and bad, but you're right. The perception is that it's happening just to the big wigs and, and not those smaller ones. I think that's a, a great point to bring up there. Now, you touched on it a little bit. What are some of the ramifications of being hacked or, again, this cyber crime? Because it seems like it does obviously go beyond just the cost involved with maybe if there's a fine involved. But what other types of ramifications could there be if this happens to your company? 
depends on a number of things. The biggest impact would probably be if you process credit cards or if you have HIPAA compliance. Uh, with the credit card, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a pretty easy calculation. Mm. You take the number of credit cards that you process in a given month and you, you multiply that number by the average is 108 is, is the average of the, just, that's just fines and fees that you have to pay okay. to the credit card processors if that credit card data is stolen from you. Because you have to pay for one year of credit monitoring, you have to, do, to pay for restoring credit card numbers, you have to pay for all of that stuff that they do. Mm. And a lot of times, more than half of the time, that would put a small business out of business sure. completely. Just, just that number. Like for, as an example, PF Chains, they got away pretty easy in the stolen business because they're big enough to, to be able to do things more efficiently. And they only paid, it was around, uh, I think, 45 bucks per credit card stolen. Hmm. And they paid a billion dollar fine. Wow. Billion dollars. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane. So the, the ramifications are really huge when you talk about credit cards. Right. And whenever you don't talk about credit cards, you talk about personal information. It's a little bit hard to put an exact number on it because you're talking about lawsuits and, and those could be very dynamic in, in, as far as cost goes and the impact to a business. How about from a maybe non-statistical point of view, the idea that people lose confidence in you and may not return? I mean, is that a real thing that happens or do people kind of forgive and forget quickly? Well, they don't. And, you know, you talk to anybody, it's like, oh, I'm not going to shop at Home Depot. Last time I had to change my credit card when I was there. Like, like there are statistics around that as well. I, and I, I think statistics, anything from 46% all the way up to 60% of the people surveyed say they would not go back to a place of business right. if there was a breach there. So that's aside of just paying the big fines and fees, there's that impact to your business as well of, hey, you're going to lose half of your business after it's all said and done, which w- would you be able to survive? Right. That's, I think that's one of the bigger impacts there as well. Now, as you mentioned, uh, we hear about the big businesses that this happens to, but small businesses obviously susceptible to this as well. Are there certain aspects of what they're doing or not doing that makes them even more of a target and, and possibly be threatened by cyber attacks more frequently? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there are some, some stats out there that like 97% of the breaches could have been avoided. And that goes to show you that something's not happening there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what's not happening is security. It grew up so quickly and there's all these, you know, it, it's like this rat race of, you know, the hackers get ahead, the good guys get ahead, the hackers get ahead and, and it keeps going and going. And as, as companies that do security, they, they grow and build and, and get ahead of the hackers. All of that stuff is very, very expensive. And then it's affordable for the fortune 500 and, and the large enterprises. Sure. But what do the, what do the small businesses do? They can't go out there and spend $10,000 on a, on a security solution to keep them safe. So I think the number one is it's unattainable to small businesses because of cost. And number two, it's gotten so complex. You know, it's not like, you know, putting a lock on your door, you know, it's all ones and zeros. And it's it's so complex that there's not enough expertise out there to be able to properly set up the security uh, components that are out there, the security solutions that are out there. And it does seem like it's happening more and more. Of course, sometimes it's just the perception that you find in the media when you see a lot of stories, you have this sort of uh, idea that it's happening more often than not. But do you notice a large increase? And if so, do you find a reason as to why this is? Is it simply improving technology or is there something else at stake here? Yeah, there's definitely a large increase. Uh, there has over the last few years. I think it's going to, it's probably not going to slow down. You know, there's always be this kind of race to, to secure your components and get ahead in technology. Because every time we introduce something new technically, that opens the door to security vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. And then we have to figure out how to secure the, that area. I guess over time, it just kind of opened the door to, to more and more of these things happen. And on the other side, you know, you think about before, okay, 
So you hack into somebody, you create some malware. What do you get out of it? Am I going to go and try to buy things on these credit card numbers? Am I going to try to go and steal this person's information? Mm -hmm. I think in the dark world of uh, the hacker communities, they've also created processes that, hey, if you steal you know, a million credit cards, you could put them on the black market in a very programized way and be able to sell them off somewhere. Mm. So you don't have to go through the additional process. You just, all you have to do is obtain them and sell them right away and you benefit financially. So I think since they've built those systems in place, it's become you know, more advantageous for hackers to just collect this information, stick them out on the black market, and bam, you make money right away. Right. That's just thinking about the next steps. Well, as obviously unethical and illegal as that is, it is fascinating to hear about that there's this whole other market, essentially almost another world where people are involved. And as you said, that would lead, that's what leads them to do this because they see the reward being greater than the risk in a lot of cases. Right, right. Absolutely. And that's kind of where a lot of the intelligence comes from, right? As they're monitoring the sale of these credit cards, they're sitting there and looking, okay, where did they get these credit card numbers from? Because everybody uses their credit card everywhere. Yeah. And then as they're tracing it, tracing it, tracing it, they narrow it back down to, okay, all of these credit cards, they were used at Home Depot and, and all of them were not used at any one single other location. So they call Home Depot, they say, hey, you guys are the problem. We trace it back to you. And it's fine when it's Home Depot, but whenever you, the smaller you get, the longer it takes to figure that out. Like, for example, I mentioned PF Chains before. The reason why it was such a big impact, they're a lot smaller, obviously. They got lots, a lot less uh, locations. It took six months before they traced it back down to PF Chains as the, the culprit of leaking the credit card number. Sure. And then when you go, get down to even smaller businesses, it could take even longer. Mm-hmm. You know, so think about that impact, right? It's like six months, eight months. How many credit cards do you process in eight months? You know, what's your financial impact going to be? How much is internal cyber theft from, say, a current employee? Is that a big threat or a concern, or is that really on the small scale of things? You know, that used to be, I remember well, back in the early 2000s, that used to be probably the, the bigger threat. Okay. And that was what everybody was talking about. But I think all of that really went away. You know, I stopped tracking it, but once it went down to like single digits or even less, a percentage of breaches are internal. I kind of stopped tracking that portion of it. It seems like external ones are way on the rise and the internal ones are a lot less because the internal guys, they always get caught. Sure. They get put in jail. There's this <laughs> massive effect. Right. But when you're sitting halfway across the globe and all you're doing is releasing a piece of code that floats around out there and, and does all the work for you, you know, it's hard to get caught, number one. Number two, you don't really feel like you're doing the crime. Hmm. Interesting. So it's a lot easier for somebody to do that, I guess. Right. right. No, that, that does make sense. And I think uh, it's an important point that you bring up that it's such a small percentage. I do think a lot of employers are paranoid about that happening. And the reality is the greater threat is probably somewhere you have no idea where they're sitting right now. So I think that is important to bring up. Now, what would you say are some ways that companies could help protect themselves a bit from attacks on a smaller scale, maybe? And uh, in a note I had sent along to you guys, aside from hiring my digital shield, of course, to, to help take care of their needs, are there some ways that you can protect yourself as a small business? Yeah, absolutely. So there's always best best practices. I think the number one step is just to be aware, Mm -hmm. understand that there is a threat out there, that there are solutions. And there's a lot of blogs out there, you know, we put one out and there's a lot of other companies that put one out or just like, just give like five tips on how to better increase your security. And I think if you, if you at least take the first simple steps, if you do something that's very simple and that's not going to be, that's not going to impact your day too much, you'll reduce your risk drastically. In our regular lives, we do things like we'll put up a smoke detector because, you know, that'll reduce the likelihood of death by 
3% or, or something really small like that. Right. But we'll take like actual steps to, to do those things. But when you're talking about like the same small steps to reduce your breach, like or the possibility of a breach by, you know, like 80% or 90%, for some reason, people don't really take those steps. And that's what I would advise them to do is just look at those blogs, look at that advice, you know, stronger passwords, you know, don't break down credit card numbers, you know, like just get something as simple as you can, but something that's going to be effective. And that'll drastically reduce your chances of getting breached. You don't have to go all the way out and, and you know, spend millions of dollars on a solution like sure. big companies do. You could do something that's, that's simple and, and that's very attainable and affordable for you. But do something for crying out loud. Don't just ignore it <laughs> and say, I'm not going to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love that analogy. Actually, both analogies there. You mentioned the, the smoke detector. I think that's a great one. And uh, yeah, the going to the doctor. I, uh, I know too many people that are like that. So I think that, that fits in pretty well. Andrew, you know, it's been a pleasure listening to you and talk about this. Obviously, you have a passion and a great understanding of what's going on and, and hopefully how to protect each other when it comes to your own company. I wanted to give you the floor at the end here just to give the listeners a final message, uh, what you'd like to offer up to employers regarding you know, really the reality of cyber attacks and the value of cybersecurity as a whole. I think my passion for it, and you know, thank you for recognizing that, my passion is really towards the small businesses because I feel that they there's not a lot, a lot out there for them. All the security solutions are for the big companies. But to me, that's, that's the bigger threat. You know, if something happens to Home Depot, people that work there, they're not really that, that tied to Home Depot. It's just a job. But a small business, it's a way for, for an American to realize their passion in life. You know, if, if I just love cooking Italian food and I want to share it with the world, I can turn that into my, my way of living, my livelihood, right? And the thought of, just because some cyber petty pickpocket halfway across the world decides he wants to dip into my business and steal the credit card numbers, that can completely destroy my life. So when I look at that and I look at all the people I know that have small businesses and then there's not really a good solution out there for them, you know, that's really what, what drives me and keeps me going to, to find a way to easily, not, not to impact their day drastically, but to something that's, that they can't even see, but it's going to protect them from, from the side, you know, kind of watch over them from above. I think that sounds like a perfect place for us to close out this edition of Technically Speaking. Again, we've been talking with Andrew Bagrin. He's the founder and CEO of My Digital Shield, and he's brought us some great information today on the ideas of cybersecurity as well as cyber attacks that you do hear about. Andrew, thanks again for coming on the show. We do appreciate it. Thank you very much, Tim. Thanks for having me. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can shoot us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. If you have any feedback or possibly some suggestions for future shows, you can also reach out to us on Twitter. Find us at the LJN. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.